these are two meetings over your summer um, that you um, need to hear. Oh, you're on vacation? You can't tune in that night? There's still The links Steve, are available. The we'll links available. are available. You yeah. still should go back and watch the YouTube. Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet, WFPR.FM, and in the local Franklin, Mass. Radio dial, in the home, in the car, 102.9. Here today for another Talk Franklin session, and we're in the town administrator's office. Jamie, how are you doing today? Doing great, Steve. I think it's been a little while since we've yeah. been here in the office. Especially in the office, but, know. you know, it's also summertime, and our yeah. schedules conveniently can work out this yeah. way, and we've got a special guest you're going to introduce today. I know. I'm pretty excited. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's probably why I'm so excited, but, um, you know, it's great to be back in person. I know we've done a few of these in person, but we usually do them over Zoom, but... Um, hopefully in the future we'll be able to do them a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, in person, one-on-one. -on -one. But, um, you know, it's a great day. It's summer. That's exciting. You know, the, we'll talk about the budget in a little while. All those things are done. Uh, we're still working on a lot of projects. But, um, you know, the, uh, one of the big pieces of news um, that I'm sure everybody's heard of or at least been on social media and the town website and um, uh, is the introduction of our new deputy town administrator, uh, Amy Fridulietti. She's making her debut. Well, she in, was introduced at the last council meeting in June. True. But it'll be her first official meeting next week, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But um, we're very excited to have Amy here. Um, if the public didn't read uh, the memo, uh, we received over 100 applications for the position. And uh, the interview team um, was myself, uh, Karen Bratt, uh, the treasurer collector, um, the DPW director, Brutus, mm -hmm. uh, the fire chief, Jim McLaughlin. Uh, the library director Felicia uh, Odie and the uh, police chief uh, T.J. Lynch. Mm -hmm. um, you really wanted to bring in, um, you know, obviously some of our most trusted people on that interview team, and uh, we spent about a month or two going through interviews and applications. Um, and uh, it's great to have Amy here. Amy has uh, over 20 years of experience in government, both at the state, county levels, but um, for the last uh, decade or so has been working at the local level in both Boston and Wellesley, and so um, here we are today on, now the pub, for all the listeners, you don't have to listen to just me anymore, thank <laughs> goodness. There's another voice here to balance out the show, so uh, without further ado, we'll introduce Amy. Thank you so much for having Welcome. me. Glad I'm to happy have to be you. here, and very excited to be in Franklin. Um, I'm on week two now, and very <laughs> still happy. drinking yeah. from a fire hose, yeah. probably a little bit, a little bit. But <laughs> including I, this show, I started Fourth of July week, so it was it wasn't too too busy. But uh, Jamie and I were able to do a drive around and view all the different um, town buildings mm -hmm. and schools and. Sure different projects that are going on in town. So I'm just learning a little bit more about the town and different things that are happening. So really happy to be here. Everyone has been great and really welcoming. So I'm just thrilled to be here. Yeah, welcome. I think you'll find this uh, a welcoming community on multiple fronts within that. Uh, it's It's been a good community. Uh, if things go wrong, they respond. They come together, right, um, mm -hmm. for whatever mm -hmm. charity or semi-disaster yeah. cause family whatever um they do respond so it's yeah. it, it's it's a fun place for us we've been here 
28 years going on in November. So, yeah. yeah I, I, and the pride shines through. People are yeah, really proud to be yeah. Um, yeah. residents and members of this community. Right. Yeah. yeah. Seems like you kind of picked up on that already a little yeah, bit. Definitely. I mean, um, yeah, definitely. People, I learned it quickly that uh, people love living here. Mm -hmm. Like they, it, it, and I say this, and I joke, and you've worked in a lot of other communities, but it really is not actually like this everywhere else. Right. And I say that because it's true, but I hope all the listeners and residents like really know that they have something fairly unique. I mean, a lot of towns talk a big game, um, but there's a lot of fracture in a lot of communities. Mm -hmm. This one, people really, really love living here. Um, yeah. There's something different. I don't know what it is fully. I still mm -hmm. eight years in, don't know, but right. there's something a little different here than, than other communities, maybe in the area. Uh, maybe people move somewhere in other communities for just schools, and then they move in, and then they move out. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's some things like that, right? Um, but there's so many amenities in this town. It's convenient. People are friendly. They're very welcoming. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, it seems like Amy's picked up on a little bit of that, too. Yeah, and I will say the staff, I think, really yeah. enjoys working here, sure. too. Yep. I hear that from the staff. And then also when I tell people my new position that don't live or work in Franklin, mm -hmm. Um, the reputation of the community yeah. yes. is um, really there. well known. I yeah. mean, and people say, that's such a great community. Mm -hmm. I know yeah. someone that lives or works there, yeah. or, you know, I have a family member that, that it's a great community. So mm -hmm. I think uh, people can be proud of that as well. Yeah, so. definitely. We're not perfect, but there's a <laughs> lot going on, and most of it is good. So. Yeah. 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 But we're striving for perfection. <laughs> we're kind we're of, absolutely. Yeah. You've got to strive for perfection, for sure. Yeah. But at least you get some help, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you, respectfully, you, you've missed Alicia. <laughs> yeah, the public's been probably been sick of hearing that from me. Um, you know, but it is, it is a lot. And I, I give a shout-out to my predecessor, Jeff. Um, you know, the, the, he never had an assistant town manager uh, until me, right? right? When he was, I didn't know at the time, but until he was retiring. And um, that just seems strange to me in a town this size, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Amy, you know all the demographics of the other communities and care parables. Yeah. And most towns, way smaller than us, almost all of them have an assistant town manager. And um, I think what Jeff learned was um, just the peer support, mm -hmm. you know, of someone else who knows what you're going through when you're sitting in the chair. Sure. Um, there are some strange calls. It's, you know, there are some tough decisions to make. Mm -hmm. You can oftentimes feel alone on an island. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, I think I was able to provide that, you know, support for him um, at the higher level of management with other communities and the MMA Association, different things like that about trends in the state. And, you know, I, and obviously Amy's going to fill that void very well. Mm -hmm. um, as well with her experience and knowing um, you know, what goes on at the local level, she'll be able to provide that same thing for me and the council in terms of that peer support right. of what's going on out there. It's a challenging world as we know. Oh, it is. It's really not as awful as everybody sometimes makes it out to be. The quality of life here in Massachusetts is still some of the best in the country, um, but um, you know, it'll be great to have some additional peer support in the office at, that, at our level. Mm -hmm. Really excited to get going. Yeah, and there's so much going on, and I think in other communities, at, at some point in time, especially during budget cuts, well, they're too top-heavy. We have never been top-heavy. We really <laughs> we, haven't. We have never, really. No. Even on the school side, town side, yeah. I mean, if anything, things have moved, if anything, more slowly here, simply because it takes time to do things, and you, you can only do so much. Right? You can only do so much, and, and you know, one of the things we've realized is, in terms of the top-heaviness, 
and I'll just throw out a couple names, like somebody like Karen Alves, everyone out there knows Karen, she sure. retired several years ago from the senior center director. You know, when she retired, we realized Karen was one department head, but she was actually really doing the work of two people. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and I'll throw another bone out, Miriam Goodman. Yes. You know, it, obviously yeah. we all know Miriam, she just retired on the school business administrator. You know, one of our best employees for 15 years, mm -hmm. and I think now we're going to learn. You know, Miriam was probably one and a half, one and three quarters, or two staff members, and right. we need to, you know, work with the schools to make sure they get that high-level support. Mm -hmm. We have not been a top-heavy organization, right. um, and recently we have tried to make some movement on that, uh, both on the school department and the municipal departments. And as you know, Steve, and, and going back many years, succession planning. You know, really started with me. I mean, I think I was like maybe the first one. See, if you remember, but Jeff, when he was about to retire, I think it it alerted the community at large, like mm -hmm. in, the, in the organization, like, wait a minute, like, oh, we're going to have a silver tsunami soon, and everyone's going to retire. Right. And it really, about six or seven years ago, probably, I hate to say it, eight years ago, maybe, <laughs> um, started to really, you know, strategically for both schools and the town, right. do the best we can to try to make sure that. If someone to retire or leave or have a family emergency or vacations or whatever, right. there was a backup and a deputy there. And we're pretty close. This office was close to the last. You know, we mm -hmm. prioritized ourselves at the end. Um, but all the other departments now, including the Senior Center and many others, the DPW have, you know, a great network, um, you know, of, of support mm -hmm. of that assistant role. And, even at the library, and we're working on that with the schools. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's important for sustainability of the organization um, to make sure you have stable leadership. I know people sometimes worry about other things, but um, people wonder why the organization runs really well here. It's because there's a lot of great stability. We don't have a, a large exodus of people leaving. Right. Um, very few people actually then leave here to go take another job. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and uh, you know, I think the public sees that, um, and they're supportive of that. Right. And you've talked before, and I certainly agree. You're effectively a, a business providing service to the community. A business, obviously, with a fairly significant budget. $150 million <laughs> a year. I think in the business sector, right, they call that like a corporation? Sure. Almost, Absolutely. right? That's, yeah. a, yep. that's a big organization, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And to the extent that Jeff recognized, and I think even Karen Bratt's presentation update to the town council recently that had showed, in just in her time, she effectively hired half the town staff. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, wow. I, think <laughs> I've, I think I've probably hired now, since even my tenure, I think it's almost two two thirds to three quarters of the department heads, mm -hmm. um, and then when you, it's a higher percentage when you go down to the assistants, sure. next level. Right. Right. Um, and then yeah, I think when you take police officers, I think it's twenty nine police officers. I think we're up to almost twenty firefighters mm -hmm. at, when this round this summer is over. Sure. Um, and so we're seeing big time generational change in Franklin for sure, and mm -hmm. I think. A lot of that also represents the changes in the demographics in the community. Demographics in the community, demographics in the country overall. Yeah. Obviously, we're part of it. We just you, we see ourselves in the one pieces, and then you you stop and think back. It's like, well, yeah, <laughs> there are things changing. It's it's kind of like day to day things. happens, and all of a sudden you turn around. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, the, my, uh, my hair color shows that <laughs> scene, for sure. As people love to point out to me, they remember my first photo when I got here eight years ago, mm -hmm. and they're like, you look a lot grayer. Like, yeah. I wonder why. <laughs> yes. It's probably because of the budget. 
Um, so, you know, we just were able to wrap up the budget season. Um, obviously, the big piece was getting the um, school department increase up to their, uh, a little bit over actually, their annual uh, average increase over the last eight years. And I, I crunched those numbers for the years that I've been here, just to mm -hmm. be fair to, sure. um, in context. And, um, and uh, you know, I, I, I First, I have to say, as I've said on your show many times and publicly, but it just bears repeating, and I'm sorry to listeners if you hear this all the time, but um, the quality of life in this town is exceptional. Um, there's a lot of investments in this year's FY24 budget um, that will uh, enhance the quality of life. Um, I think sometimes we need to kind of take a breath to make sure we also appreciate and, and don't take for granted what we actually have and the investments we are making. This budget had some pretty big changes to it in the sense of like mm -hmm. stormwater. Sure. Um, we've put more roads money into the budget than we've ever had before for first the first time, time ever. <laughs> first time, yeah. Um, Only the, 600K, but still. It's a start. 600K. Now the challenge is not regressing, right? Correct. Um, the number one complaint we have in town, um, I know some may not agree with this, but um, by far is, is traffic enforcement, mm -hmm. speeding, um, reckless driving. Uh, Road rage, um, speeding on every street, you know, Pleasant, you know, Lincoln, mm -hmm. all the feeders, Pond, uh, Beach, you name it. Yeah. Um, I know you hear about it online, Steve, but it. Uh, Woonsocket Highway goes right Woonsocket. through Woonsocket, Washington, and King, so uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, we were able to add some more officers into the budget. Um, you know, and I, I think for the for the school department, I think the the issue is is is. Um, you know, is is for, there's a learning curve here for a lot of folks that have moved to Franklin recently, um, and the school committee as well, mm -hmm. and with a new superintendent, um, who obviously parts. knows the district as well as anybody, and, you know, I think, you know, what came out of this budget season was a tremendous amount of support for, um, for, uh, for Lucas, uh, a lot of support for the schools. Um, I think the challenge is, is for, um, everybody in the community to understand the four corners of the puzzle of mm -hmm. the school budget. And we're having a um, two big meetings coming up, which will be a little bit of breaking news, Steve, I suppose. But um, on August 2nd, um, the Joint Budget Subcommittee, which is made up of the Finance Committee, Council, and School Committee members, We'll be meeting to go through and discuss uh, my five-year fiscal forecast. So now that the pandemic is really kind of, at least from a from a fiscal standpoint, mm -hmm. is kind of in the rearview mirror. Um, um, now we can really get back to the the tradition of having that annual five-year fiscal forecast, which is really important. Why? It shows the anticipated revenues, um, shows where the challenging expenditures are. Um, and so if people are interested in knowing like what the future sustainability of the town budget is, including the school budget, mm -hmm. August 2nd is one of those that you'll want to uh, be there in attendance for, watch on Zoom, tune into YouTube later, listen to the radio station, watch it on Franklin TV, there's a platform for everybody, um, and really start sacrificing um, other things and other time to dig into the minutiae of the budget. Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, I loved Councillor Cormier Ledger's um, analogy at the budget hearing. Um, as a someone who grew up Catholic, it was a brilliant analogy. 
um, where he really um, articulately told the community, sometimes this feels like I'm at church again when I'm a kid and my mom reached over and said, oh, here are all the people that come for Easter and Christmas. They show up once or twice a year and then, they're, then they disappear. I'm just saying it again because I'm going to say it every time <laughs> when I have a chance. Like, you can't do that. This isn't, this isn't Cliff Notes. If you're really interested in the school budget, showing up once a year for Christmas is not acceptable. Um, this is a huge learning curve of, of, of what money is being spent on, what is the vision. If you're a younger parent and you're, you have kids in the school district, you need to get engaged and you need to start speaking up to the school committee and others, really the school committee, about what your vision is for the school district. Otherwise, we're just kind of, I, I fear that at times we're just yelling into the white noise of the internet and, and that gets frustrating, right? Because then yeah. it's like you, you exercise your opinion, your emotion, mm -hmm. which you should have if you have young children, but there's no actual response to that. Mm -hmm. And then the second big meeting um, is going to be on August 16th at the town council meeting that, that uh, night. Um, I committed during the budget hearing, uh, see Steve, you didn't even know you're writing it down. Uh, but in, uh, in all seriousness, during budget hearing, I yeah. committed twice during the yeah. FinCom and the budget hearing right. that the town attorney and I would give an overview of uh, some of the restrictions and some of the procedures on how to deal with the O word, the override yeah. word. And this is another one of these learning curves. And I'll. Mm -hmm. um, See, today there was an article in the newspaper about the town of Brookline um, where the superintendent and I think some of the principals in the school district and maybe some of the elected officials broke uh, political and campaign finance laws. Right. And the town attorney there wrote a seven-page letter outlining where he thought the gaps were. Um, as newer people become involved in this system, whether you're elected, appointed, or you're just a citizen or a parent, mm -hmm. You know, there's a learning curve to knowing the rules around overrides. Correct. Okay, these are elected ballot questions. And I committed to this because it's really important that the community and people that are talking about this subject of an override or talking about school finance understand. Brookline, by the way, is probably one of the highest educated communities in the state, mm -hmm. probably one of the wealthiest communities in the state, and also probably one of the most progressive and liberal communities in the state. And if you read the report from the town attorney and you see what happened, you easily see the pitfall that we could all fall into, mm -hmm. right? Which is just sure. simply being complacent and impatient. Yeah. Okay, and not doing the work you need to do mm -hmm. to learn the system at which we need to operate in. I can't emphasize this enough. I know a lot of folks have said to me, that's boring, it's not important, someone else has to deal with that, like I don't have time for this, I don't want to read anything, I don't have, I'm already parenting my kids, I don't have time for any of this stuff, but you do have to do this. And the town of Brookline's case is a perfect expose and exactly what can go wrong when you do ballot initiatives, and in their case they're doing two, one for an operational override and another for a debt exclusion for a school renovation project. Mm -hmm. So August 16th at the town council meeting that night, um, the town attorney and myself and the council will have a discussion on what some of those parameters are, um, just so that the community is a little more informed of the budget process, and we'll also be discussing that night um, a little bit of a very simple 
um, high-level overview of how you actually develop an override. Mm -hmm. right? What is it? How does it happen? How does it get on the ballot? Um, and it maybe some of the more critical pieces, which is just simply, you know, how much money do you need? What's the target? What is the need for the money? Mm -hmm. Where is it going to go? Right. And where are you going to spend it? There are constraints on that. Absolutely. When you put a ballot question out and you pass something, yep. you can't just get new money and just spend it everywhere. No. You know, however you want year to year. There's some, there's some very, very strict rules in state law and in code and DOR regulation on this stuff. And for people that are interested in an override, I know there's, you know, uh, several dozen people out there that are really chomping at the bit on it. These are two meetings over your summer um, that you um, need to hear. Oh, you're on vacation? You can't tune in that night? There's still, The links Steve, are available. The we'll links are available. You yeah. still should go back and watch the YouTube mm -hmm. and listen to the podcasts and, and hear these things because... Um, as Amy well knows from doing these in other communities and working on these issues, um, there are a lot of pitfalls that people can quickly fall into mm -hmm. on these issues. And so um, I hope that those two meetings coming up will help give a lot of folks there in the school community especially some yeah. peace of mind. And to reinforce that point, at least with August 2nd, that's the start of getting to what's the target. Because right. it's not going to get developed and determined that night. Right. It's just that's the start of the process. Because right. it's going to take some time to make sure all whatever the wish list is is there. I know from uh, the schools at least have their portrait of a graduate, which is a great visualization of what great. should be delivered. How do they quantify that in terms of what's needed um, yeah. in a declining school enrollment, which is a fact. I mean, we can't avoid it. We yeah. are. 16 of the 22 that they were cut would have been cut anyway right. simply because of the declining enrollment. Right. 400 plus high schoolers left, 300 are coming in. Less than that, but that's okay. <laughs> it, it's I in the ballpark. It's yeah. in the ballpark. No, but it's true, and, and, you, when, and I'm sure it'll come out eventually, but when you see the birth rates and you see the graduation, mm -hmm. and this was all predictable, right? Oh, it, it, We've it, laid this out, out for 10 years. Yeah. It's been out there for 10 years. Like We knew exactly there'd be 440 right. graduates and there would be, say, 240 new kids coming from eighth grade into the high school. Well, then if you look at birth rates below that each year, mm -hmm. you know, those are dropping. Sure. So structurally over the next 10 years, you're still going to see a declining enrollment. There's a very, very tiny bump, okay, in yeah. early 2021 where they saw an extra, like, 70 kids born in town. I wonder why. Mm -hmm. I won't dive into that a little deeper, but we all know what happened in 2020. And so there was a, a minor tick up of births in town in, yeah. in 2021. But since 2021, they've gone right back down um, right. to where they were pre-pandemic. Well, and part of that, and why it's a minor bump as opposed to other kind of baby boom bumps, et cetera, um, the uncertainty was still there, even yeah. in 21. To a certain extent, it's still, it's still there, there now, now. Yeah. right? So. Yeah. Why would you bring another child into the world when you really don't know if you can afford based upon your own circumstances, et cetera? So. Yeah, we hear about that all the time at meetings relative to housing, mm -hmm. the cost of housing, right? Like, I mean, all those are issues, the lack of housing, the lack of supply. Sure, lack of supply. Um, you know, it's a tough environment in Massachusetts, which mm -hmm. is also seen, by the way, a major exodus of people leaving Massachusetts the last few years. I think it's about a... 110, 120,000 residents have left Massachusetts over the last couple of years, and clearly the number one reason is the cost of living, mm -hmm. right? Not being able to pay the bills yeah. or 
yeah. uh, not being able to live here. So, right. um, so hopefully we'll be able to tune into those two meetings. Uh, before that, really quickly, we have uh, another council meeting on July 19th. Um, the big, um, I think the big piece that night is twofold. Um, one, Representative Roy and Senator Rausch will both be in attendance to do their usual um, talk with the kind council, usually yep. twice a year. Mm -hmm. yep. But this once change. a year these days. <laughs> um, and they're going to give an update from Beacon Hill um, just to give everybody uh, what's been cooking up there. Um, and then the other really big news, speaking of housing, is um, it'll be the second and final reading um, of the new accessory dwelling unit yes. um, zoning bylaw, which um, we don't expect will be like an immediate um, you know, relief on uh, housing, but I do think it will give a lot of property owners in town um, the ability to start contemplating and hopefully apply to get an accessory dwelling unit maybe in their basement or in an attic that's unused or a renovation mm -hmm. on their house or, or a garage. Um, and allowing people to apply to go and get that unit because of the pandemic, which has been a really good thing, actually. I think we're seeing um, families kind of get a little closer together. Multi-generational households are coming back. Um, there are, you know, obviously child care, elder care issues that mm -hmm. are in this, convenience. Right. I think, you know, we can talk about all the geek data about housing, right? But at the end of the day, um, the real benefit to me with the ADUs is really that part about the family. Mm -hmm. It's about really allowing people whose lives are changing a lot quicker than we normally would have to have an ability to um, conform their property to their house, um, to have an additional unit to be able to take care of an, uh, an elder, an aunt. Um, we even allow friends. It doesn't have to be a direct blood family member, mm -hmm. right? It could be somebody where you just have another garage you set up into a unit and you're just that friend that's just allowing people who are transient to move, mm -hmm. um, you know, to move in, uh, allow for uh, some rental situations depending on things. Um, and so hopefully that'll, um, hopefully that'll just allow a lot of families and residents to be able to still customize what their family life looks like and mm -hmm. allow them a little more convenience. Maybe they've got a college kid that came home. Uh, can't buy a house yet, mm -hmm. um, you know, or rent an apartment um, while they grow their career. Sure. Um, I think we've heard this from uh, several counselors about the struggles with that. Um, and so, um, you know, really, um, most municipalities that we see that Amy and I talk to of our colleagues um, can't get one by law through. We, as a community in Franklin, have been able to get inclusionary zoning and accessory dwelling units done all in one year, mm -hmm. uh, really two years, but really in right. one cycle. Um, and I think that's um, you know, pretty astounding. So it'll take a while to phase in, but right. um, these well, are good It took good a while things. to get to this point. There was a lot of conversations. We went through to Franklin for All. Certainly we did. We've been fortunate with uh, Melanie and Kobe mm -hmm. and some others, you, you and Tom participated in one of them, to have a series of you know, detailed conversations around the nuances because even in a meeting you can get a yes or no answer, but there's details behind that. And that's where I think this particular format allows us to explore those so that people can better understand. It's not fear. Yeah. <laughs> it's understanding what it is and how we can change and especially where it's in our withal our withal to do, then we can make those changes. Yeah, and it's it's taken a while. I mean it's taken a couple of years, but you know, you give you know Council Hamlin and the EDC and, and Councilor Fringillo and everybody really have um, 
had some great debates on this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, hasn't been easy, but um, you know we don't do it because it's easy. We do it because it's hard. And so, uh, truthfully, you know these are really hard things. I mean, uh, Councilor Hamler, Councilor Fragile, and I did go to a seminar at the MMA conference on the City of Salem's efforts. And right. While ADUs there by right, um, they were trying to go another level. And the speaker, who is the president of the city council in Salem, a very good friend of mine, Christine Medor, um, who's an incredible housing planner uh, by profession, um, admitted that she got PTSD and they gave up on accessory dwelling units. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, these are hard, hard issues to work through. Sure. Listeners may think they're easy, um, but in a lot of other communities, these are really, really challenging, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, I think that everybody should feel really good here that their government is moving. You know, we are, we're not stale, um, we're not stagnant, we're not static, we're constantly innovating. And yeah. um, well, people may not know all this government jargon and zoning, which is really, you know, definitely can make uh, paint dry, um, you know, quickly. It's, it's um, these are also really, really important things to a lot of people mm -hmm. uh, in the community, so. Yeah. No, there's, there's a lot happening. Certainly, Amy will be getting into <laughs> the weeds and the details, and hopefully, won't get overwhelmed with everything that's going on. She's working in Boston for eight years. <laughs> I mean, she's worked in Boston for eight years in Boston uh, City Hall. I, I'm sure that we are not overwhelming at all. Okay. <laughs> Relatively yeah. Definitely not overwhelming, but certainly there's a learning curve there's in learning every curve. community. Yeah, so yeah. that's what I'm. Um, yeah. Next couple of weeks we'll be sure. exploring. Uh, <laughs> at least it's there's only a council meeting once in July, once in August, so it's it a doesn't little, feel that way. It, 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 there's a little bit of a you know, and I know you know because as we've talked before, even your budget cycle, your budget cycle just goes from phase to phase to phase. It's yeah. it's almost continuous because you've really got the end of 23, 24, and then effectively with the uh, joint budget, you're starting on 25 already. So. You got three budgets all in once. I, I'm already. I, I literally have a spreadsheet on my computer to prepare for August second that goes out to 2029. 20, right. Um, you know, which is mm -hmm. you know, I mean, people may think that's crazy, but I mean, that's what we do. Sure. Um, that's what you know. Hopefully, a good town does, right? Right. Um, and you nailed it, Steve. Um, you know this, and hopefully the listeners pick up on it. We, to Councilor Cormier Ledger's analogy, we never stop with the budget. No. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're in Wellesley or Boston. It's always going on. The citizens may not think that while they're on vacation for the summer, mm -hmm. but you know, there's year-end reports, there's audits, there's a whole slew of things that are continuing on. Um, you know, budget adjustments, transfers of money, like all mm -hmm. sorts of stuff, right? And so, um, you know, I think that that's like a tip that you just mentioned, Steve, that a lot of the listeners should really be, you know, paying attention, you know, for mm -hmm. the whole calendar year, not just yeah. at the one budget hearing. Yeah, and we can put in the plug, too, because I did spend time with uh, Kerry and Chris, okay. oh, Chris. Yeah. before to talk about kind of that budget cycle. So there's yeah. a piece that goes through the entire piece because, yeah, they're working three budgets at a time in a normal circumstance right. between audit or statements, as you're saying, or just... <laughs> Going, what, what's, what's the next invoice going to look like? Before we move on to the next item, the one thing I'll say on that is, and just to illustrate that point, in May, or in May of every year when we do the FinCom and budget hearings, people show up for those, right? And we're arguing or debating, you know, issues that are prospectively happening, right? So the, we dive into the budget document and we get a little chippy or happy mm -hmm. or whatever the emotional value is about it, right? But then my job is to make sure that we meet revenue projections. 
like people think the money is like already here, right? It's not collected, right? I gotta watch on a. It's a projection. I gotta like. Local receipts. Local receipts. I gotta, you know, I made one joke in one memo. I think you remember vividly, Steve, where I basically said to the entire community, "Will you start eating out in Franklin every week so the meals tax goes up?" Because I made a call and I said, "We're not going to meet our meals tax revenue projections if people don't start eating out." Sure. You know, so the meals tax or excise tax, hotels. Like um, we even joked about at one point, Anne Marie Tracy said, "Why don't we have a night out for parents at the hotels?" Like during the pandemic, so mm-hmm. parents could get away from the a break from the kids, they could have a night at the hotel, and you'd get the six percent motel tax right. on top of it, right? right? To help also support the community services, mm-hmm. right? I mean, this is how schools get paid for. Sure, it's not all state aid. No, it's a lot of local receipts based on consumer behavior, yeah. purchasing power. Um, and, and the so, tax levy, ultimately, and the tax and levy is is Franklin right. going to be willing enough? to buy into the vision, whatever that's going right. to be, right. in order to potentially pay more from their own pockets in order to give us what we want. It's important that I make sure we watch the revenues, and Amy does too, and Carrie mm-hmm. and Chris, because the last thing we want is to show up in June and say, whoops, you know what, we don't have the money, uh, we didn't collect it, um, and therefore we got to make cuts. Right. And, you know, you know that's not good in any way, but that's why my hair turns gray, right? Um, Because, you know, the budget isn't over. And Mm -hmm. and Ted was right. You know, it, 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 we try to give systemic reports at the FinCom. That's where the deep dives happen. If people are looking for that level of detail, it's nothing against the town council or the school committee, um, but they're elected and they have a certain role to play, which is extremely important in this community and they do a phenomenal job. But the finance committee is where the deep dive series is, mm-hmm. and um, that's where you're going to get the more periodic reviews of revenues coming in. Are we matching up? Are there any are there any signs of trouble ahead? Mm-hmm. Right. So right. Um, we know no one wants to go to the finance committee meetings, and it's not exactly the one that everyone says is tops on their list because everyone wants to just go to the top these days. But here's a great example where. Down the batting order, you've got you know some great power hitters in there that on the FinCom that ask some really intellectual questions, challenging um, questions, very sure. challenging yeah. questions, intellectual questions. Um, the FinCom, as there is a cheap plug, um, has an incredible amount of talent on it. I mean, we really have some very very smart people. Well, and even aside from the talent, but they also while we're at it, they uniquely play a role yeah. serving the council providing that financial oversight that is not in many other communities from what I say. And I think we're one of two city-style forms of government left that still has a finance committee. And that's unique. And why is that important? This is no, this is not, meaning any disrespect towards anyone, they're not really beholden to people. Right. Right? They're independently ratified by the council and the TA Mm -hmm. to be on there because they have some business background, they have a financial background. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have different backgrounds on the finance committee, but most of the members, if not all of them, have um, some chief operating officer experience. One member works for the Commonwealth and has worked for Harvard University for a couple of decades in their, um, in their comptroller's offices. So these are folks that we appoint that actually, um, in fact, uh, one of the members, I believe, was um, an accounting director at Fidelity. Um, 
we've got a whole slew of different backgrounds, but we have people that can do math in their head quickly. Mm -hmm. These are really, really smart people. Mm -hmm. And they're not politically influenced by any of this. And that's not to say that the elected officials can't do that, right. but it's just the truth that they're hearing in the eyes of the community. They have their role. They're supposed to take the emotional um, comments from the public, right? <laughs> um, when you show up in the soccer field, I'm sure the school committee hears from people all the time when they're playing sports. The council hears about it in the coffee shops and at events. And they're supposed to come at their point in the budget process and bring that feedback from the community in a political style to it. And that's their role, and they love that role, and they do a great job in that role. The finance committee role is different. They're not beholden to elections. Mm -hmm. um, most of them, if they don't get reappointed, re they're not going to lose any sleep over that, mm -hmm. right? So there, there's actually a, a, a semi-bulletproof um, role that they have in the community, and that gives them the leverage and leeway to ask, I think, even harder questions than what, than right. what we're talking right. about. It's, they really can ask the questions that are really, really hard to answer, they and they can expose things that maybe others just can't for other reasons. Even myself, or well, the sure. superintendent, right? Absolutely. We may not be able to answer certain things um, because of what our role is in the process. Mm -hmm. So I hope George Conley's listening out there. George, I am trying to get citizens to the Fincon meetings. <laughs> Steve, you're trying to get them. As Amy's going to try them, right? <laughs> Absolutely. No, because that's their role. They, with their background, can, are much more comfortable with spreadsheets, debits and credits, whatever, balancing and accounting and books, et cetera, and then can ask, well, does that really make sense? Can you do it this way? And that, that's, the, that's a great service for the community to do that. Absolutely. So I think other than farmer's market and uh, concerts on the Common, which happen now on our every Friday. That's the happening now that the 4th of July is behind us. Well, know? maybe you can take the budget off for a couple months. <laughs> the concerts on the Common. <laughs> we need to at least mention that. Because that's ending on at least a fairly happy note, relatively speaking. Because that certainly is where the community comes out. And again, the town really doesn't pay for that. That's all nonprofit. A little bit of grant money here and there, but you yeah. know that's another example of the community and organizations coming together, not necessarily the town, to do that. It's just great to see it. You know, Steve. I think eight, seven years ago, Ryan Jetty and I tried to talk about how to beef up the events. The concerts and comedy used to be on Wednesdays, which mm -hmm. was a which was really not a great night. Um, and um, the pandemic only slowed us down a little by a couple of years, but now you know have both of those events every Friday. There's a little live entertainment at the farmers markets, and then it kind of bleeds into uh, the concerts on the common. And I know in August Ryan has the third piece of the Friday nights, which is the movie nights. Movie nights. Um, you know, for the kids, um, I think it's maybe two or three of them. I think it's um, two. Two of yeah. them um, in August. Um, obviously, we have to wait till the sun goes down. But um, you know, um, just you know, what's there to say? I mean. Yeah. It, it's a happening place. It's a happening place. Um, you know, support your local agriculture. Um, we know we have people coming from other towns with baked mm -hmm. goods. Um, I know the schools usually have a community table there, trying to meet people. Um, and other orgs will have other orgs. share will, uh, that community table. There's at least one table that orgs the non will share. The non-profits, non they share that out. Um, 
it's a it's a great community event. And if anybody goes up to the common on a Friday between like noon and eight p.m. Two two and six um, for the normal farmers market, and then usually extended till eight for the concerts, and then till ten for the movie for nights. For the movie nights and food trucks included. Food, <laughs> food trucks included. Um, it's great to know that food trucks did not put anybody out of business. Um, you know, right? Is like that was a rumor at one point. It was a rumor at one point, and um, I think we made the argument that there's plenty of an appetite in Franklin for all mm -hmm. uh, to enjoy. Yeah. Um, people who want to enjoy the Rome or some of the more legendary restaurants can do that. Yeah. Um, and obviously, um, some people want uh, food trucks, so mm -hmm. um, everybody's fed and happy. Yes. But it's a lot of great events, and hopefully people look at the town website uh, for the calendar of, of bands playing, uh, the movies, uh, just good stuff, and mm -hmm. hopefully everybody gets out there. Hopefully the rain won't be there on every Friday for the rest of the summer. I hope. Um, I think everybody's sick of the rain on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, mm -hmm. uh, but not much I can do about that. No. <laughs> not much Amy and I can do about we're, the rain. We're all living with it. You know, That's so. Don't let it deter you from living your life. Absolutely. It's always going to rain. Weather's always going to be a pain in the butt in, in Massachusetts. Get over it. It'll help with fruits and veggies at get the out. farmer's market. That's right. <laughs> That's right. It'll help with some fruit. Get outside, and uh, you could probably wash off your fruits and vegetables in the rain or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. You know? But there's a lot to do. So I think um, the garden needs that water. Absolutely. It, well, thank you for, again for taking time today, Amy. Welcome, thank and we're so looking much. forward to look forward more of these. To more, and I look forward to seeing some folks and meeting some people at maybe the farmers market coming up. Maybe. Sure, yeah. And a quick final reminder for the listeners: we do this because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. And by the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.